Hello and welcome to DSD Presents Mulholland Drive. My name's John. My name's Nick. Hi Nick, good to see you again. And you John. Back doing another podcast. Yeah. There's no Twin Peaks this week, but uh, we thought we'd mix it up, try something a bit different. Yeah. Talk about one of David Lynch's other films, Mulholland Drive. That's correct, yeah. Both watched over the last week, I think. Was it a first time watch for you? First time for me, yeah. Right, okay. I won't ask you yet what you think of it. We'll <laughs> get to that right at the end, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week with our regular Twin Peaks podcast, but for now, just thought it'd be interesting to look at another one of his films, go into detail with it. Uh, we mentioned, I think, last week, I've got a few theories as to how like it might possibly tie in with Twin Peaks, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, are you okay just to get straight into it? Yeah, go ahead. Great stuff, okay. We'll start with just a bit of background on the film, uh, how it came to be. Uh, are you aware that it started as a TV pilot? Originally, no, I wasn't aware of that. No. Yeah, in the late nineties, uh, ABC Network approached David Lynch, thinking that they were trying to come up with the idea of basically another Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. wanting Lynch to go back to TV and uh, and recreate, you know, what he did with Twin Peaks, and he produced this film, directed it as a pilot for what would have been a TV show, and I believe ABC gave him a, I think it was about. They made some weird deal with him where I think it was, I believe it was $4 million to uh, make a pilot or he could have a few million more to make it a closed kind of thing. So he did it with Twin Peaks as well. There's, a, I believe, the international pilot of Twin Peaks, which is like a self-contained story. Right. At the end of that, they find who the killer is and stuff. It's really weird. It's nothing to all do with right. Bob and all that. Uh, and so they offered him the same thing with this one, saying, like, we can do a pilot, but it, it would really appreciate it if you made it its own thing, closed it off at the end and gave us an ending so we can sell it to the international markets as a film if we need to. So he was like, yep, yeah, fine, give me the money. It went off and shot it. Uh, and the from what I've heard, the ABC like uh, executives took one look at what he'd shot, which originally finished with the Club Silencio stuff. That was the yeah. ending, ending of the film. Right. And they were just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> they were expecting, you know, like another like smash hit on the on the hands like Twin Peaks. Yeah. And what they got was pretty much the film we watched over the <laughs> weekend. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty obvious to say that the show never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lynch being a bit uh, de- dejected. He, he's got quite a bit... He's a lot more popular in Europe than he is in the US. He has a lot more like backing in like within like French film circles, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I believe his French film buddies uh coughed some money up for him to basically buy the footage back with the idea of like, you know, make it into your own thing, just make a film out of it. But I just find it really weird how like a film that people now call the best film of the two thousands started life as a TV pilot. Which had like no backing by the original. <laughs> yeah, the 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 the, the, uh, the network didn't even want in the end, you know. It's, it is weird. <laughs> Uh, and so going from there, the he, he got the footage back. The, the film you watched, a lot of the film is just from the pilot that he shot. Oh. He didn't he didn't go back and refilm the whole thing. He left a lot of stuff in there, which we're going to get onto the plot in detail. But I believe we'll explain a lot of the weird stuff in the film, like Robert Forster, for example, turns up for one scene, never comes back again. <laughs> Presumably in the show, he would have been like a recurring character, yeah, you know yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. in the film, it was just a. It's just one and done, you know, he's gone kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah that was how it started life. Uh, in the 
in the TV show, Naomi Watts and Laura Harring, the two main actresses, were going to be the stars of the call, saying, you know, look, look, we're doing a film now, but get your clothes off, (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing. So it it did change a lot from what it was originally intended to be. Uh, And we're just going on from that as well. Uh, I, I read on the internet that the idea originally that Lynch had, going back to Twin Peaks, was he originally wanted to make a Twin Peaks follow-up. And the follow-up was going to be uh, following Audrey Horn, going to Hollywood and trying to make it as, like, uh, an actor. And it had been, like, I imagine Beverly Hills 90210 or something, but <laughs> with Audrey Horn and weird yeah. stuff going on in Hollywood. And, again, I think that ties into the film we've watched here. That It's almost a commentary on Hollywood, I think, this film, on acting and, and you know, how you have to, like, build a character and kill characters off to build a new one, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Almost a commentary on, like, acting itself. Uh, but, yeah, I just found that interesting, how it was born out of, you know, originally an idea of a Twin Peaks follow-up, became a pilot, and then went on to become one of the best films of the 2000s. I found that really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, so just jumping into the, into the casting of the film, uh, are you a fan of Naomi Watts? Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I've... I, I... I wouldn't know her from anything other than the new Twin Peaks series. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I, I I quite like her. I'm a bit of a fan of her. Uh, before this, though, the only thing I actually knew her from was Tank Girl. She was like the... Uh, I think she was called Jet in Tank Girl. Uh, but after this film, she was in, like, The Ring, the first horror film. She was oh, the main yeah. uh, main girl in that. And, she, you know, she's gone on to become, like, quite a big actress yeah, since yeah. then. I think she was friends with Nicole Kidman, I believe. Uh, she was born in England, moved to Australia when she was young, uh, then then moved on to the US, to, you know, to, to try and get into the film yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm quite a fan of her. I think she is great in this in this film. To be honest with you, no, uh, I agree definitely. Yeah, you're a fan of her performance yeah, in, this, in yeah. this film, yeah, and, and the latest Twin Peaks. So I can I can almost call myself a fan now. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't know her for anything other than this and Twin Peaks. She's asked to do a lot in this film as well, a lot of extreme stuff, which we're going to get on to. So she yeah, yeah. she definitely handles it well. And uh, her partner in this film, Laura Haring, who plays Rita slash Camilla. Uh, I'll be honest, I've not even seen her in anything else apart from this film. Yeah, I don't recognise her. She was, I thought she was great in the film. She played it really well. It's almost hard to play like an amnesiac kind of, you know, you don't know, you know, when you, you don't know what's going on, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I thought she was great. The only other thing now that I know I've seen her in was the Punisher from two thousand four. I believe she was in that, but I'll be honest, I don't remember her in it at all. Yeah. But apparently, she was in it. So uh, yeah, going on from that, we have Justin Theroux, who has become one of my favourite actors recently, all because of the Leftovers TV show. Uh, you've not seen that yet have you 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 have told me about this yeah I've been raving about this he's the main guy in it he is amazing in that TV show Uh, there's one episode in series 2 set in a hotel which he's the whole show the whole episode is based around him Mm. and he's fantastic in it Uh, what did you think of him in this film I'm just like obviously I'm not the best with names it was he the director the director yeah Adam Kesher I I think he was called I I loved him I thought he was brilliant (laughs) in this film I thought he was good uh, he he, he made for some of my best my favourite scenes in the show yeah I've got a few quotes written down here that are quite funny we'll get to them later on but uh, and we mentioned on our main podcast a few weeks ago uh, he's a cousin of Louis Theroux yeah we did yeah yeah like, I mean, I, I, I think someone joked about it, um, because of the surname. Mad yeah. me to be fair, but like, I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed it. But. I think when you look at him, especially in this film with the glasses on, 
and the hair's a bit wild. He does look quite similar to him yeah, you know, yeah. at, at times, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a great actor. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant, yeah. He's probably best known now for being Jennifer Aniston's... Uh, I think, are they married now? Is he the hus- her husband? Oh, is he? Yeah, they've been going out together for like three or four years, oh, I think. Right. So I think they're now married. I might be wrong on that, but... A lot of people know him as Mr. Jennifer Aniston kind of thing. <laughs> Mr. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, but I think yeah. I think it's a great actor from yeah, what yeah. I've seen of him. Agreed, yeah. Uh, the final one that I want to mention is Michael J. Anderson, who plays the man from another place in Twin Peaks. Yeah. He's in this film playing Mr. Roke, I believe it is. He's not in it too much. No, but... I, think, I think you see maybe three times at the tops. And, yeah. and he's only on the screen for a couple of minutes each time. It's strange as well because he's a little person, but in this film he's playing a is it quadriplegic, where you you wheelchair bound. Yeah, yeah. So he's not actually playing a little person in this film. He's playing a man who's a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Just a strange, you know, strange casting choice. But yeah. Lynch clearly loves him, so we just thought, you know, we wanted him back I mean, in there. I I found this scene quite interesting because, like, the the only time you ever seen him was in a room with red curtains. Exactly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is tying back to a really weird room with red curtains and, and like a mirrored wall or something yeah. that people come in and talk to him through. Yeah. And he just watches them. <laughs> Very Twin peaks That's what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is strange. I mean, again, I've got I've got a few smaller theories going into the film, but that is one, one of them, to be honest with yeah, you. The yeah. whole, is this another Black Lodge or something? <laughs> that's, that, that's what I <laughs> yeah. thought, yeah. It did, it did seem a bit weird to me, that, but... I'd, I'd, it might just be the fact that David Lynch likes weird-looking scenes. Yeah, he, he has a very, he, he has a love for weirdness, doesn't he? David Lynch in his films and stuff. So yeah, and just going back again to uh, the whole Twin Peaks connection, watching the new series of Twin Peaks, a lot of the locations in it feel quite similar to the locations from Mulholland Drive. I think. Yeah. yeah. So it just really wouldn't shock me if, like, at the end of it all. It's like a crossover almost, you know, like with, with Twin Peaks or something. That'd be a really interesting. Like, yeah, turn of events that we probably won't. We probably won't get anything revealed in this series of Twin Peaks, but it wouldn't shock me if that, you know, if that turned out to be the case yeah, or something. Yeah. Right, mate. So you okay if we just get into the film and yeah. uh, go from there? Definitely, yeah. Okay. A bit like our Twin Peaks episodes. Uh, kind of planning on just going through the film, just picking out what we find interesting having a discussion about it. You okay with that? Definitely, yeah. Any theories you've got, you just chuck them out. Uh, <laughs> I'll try and, do, yeah. try and do the same. Uh, okay, the film opens with a jitterbug dance competition, <laughs> which kind of looks like an uh, an iTunes advert, uh, uh, an iPod advert, so yeah, Apple yeah. advert even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An Apple advert from like the mid-2000s. It's got like weird silhouettes dancing around and stuff. Did you get the significance of this at all? Or? I didn't. I... I... I just remember seeing this and I was like, "Wow, I'm 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 not even five minutes into this and I'm already like my, don't know what's going it's on. <laughs> already weird as anything this film. Yeah, like. I only got this on a, on a on a rewatch. Uh, I've seen this probably about four or five times now, but on the first my first view and I didn't really get any of the film. It took rewatches to actually yeah. understand anything at all of it. Even now, I don't feel like I understand it properly. Uh, but there's a throwaway line later in the film where Naomi Watts slash Diane slash Betty (laughs) (laughs) tells somebody that she won a jitterbug dance competition back in Canada and that was what propelled her to come to uh, Hollywood to try and be an actress. And this is the dance competition that she won. It ends with like a shot of her face with this old couple behind behind her just smiling as if like, you know, she just won the tournament kind of thing. That's cool. Uh, And again, it's weird because we go from that then 
straight to one shot of someone passing out into a pillow, just like going headfirst onto a pillow. And we're going to come back to it later on. Just to let you know as well, I'm going to be jumping all over the place with this because so much stuff here ties into what comes later and vice versa. Okay. We're going to come back to this later, but a lot of theories about this are that the first three quarters of the film are a dream, basically. And you've seen somebody here fall asleep and they're dreaming the next three quarters of the film. Ah, uh, okay. Basically, Betty slash Naomi Watts slash Diane <laughs> falls, yeah, falls asleep here. She ha- she dreams this idealized version of her relationship with Laura ha- with Laura Harrington's character, and then when she wakes up three quarters of the way through the film, you see the reality of it. So we're talking Diane here, aren't we? Diane falls asleep. Diane, yeah, Diane. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Diane um, dreams this whole Betty and what's the, what's the other girl's name in the dream? She takes the name of Rita off a poster, but you never actually find out what her real name would be because she had, like she hits her head and stuff. Uh, but the whole Betty and Rita thing, the theory is it's all a dream of like how she wanted their relationship to be. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Uh, normally when people say like, oh, it was all a dream, you think, oh, what a cop out, you know, but there's something about the way Lynch does stuff that know, yeah. it doesn't feel that way. It still feels worthwhile, you know. And no, definitely, yeah. So the, the, the th- this is the, probably the main theory that I've heard out there is that the, the first three quarters are a dream of what the what she wanted the relationship to be. Yeah. And then when she wakes up and you see the reality of what it is, by that point, uh, Rita slash Camilla, by that point, is getting married to Adam, the film director. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like she's left her for the film director and that kind of thing. And Is that uh, Louis Theroux? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Louis, yeah. <laughs> That's, um, what's his name? Uh, Justin, Justin, Justin Theroux, Theroux. yeah. That's Justin Theroux in the um, last quarter of the film, isn't it, still? Yeah, that same, yep. Uh so we we see what we presume is Diane pass out into a pillow, and we then cut from there to let's have a look to straight to who we come to know as Rita in the back of a limo, yeah. driving down Mulholland Drive, and what we kind of presume to be like a, an assassination attempt on a the guy driving the limo turns around with a gun. Yeah. And it's only because of a couple of youths who come screaming around the corner and crash into the car that she survives. And again, I'm, I'm jumping right to the end of the film here, but in what we presume is the real, the waking world at the end of the film, Diane puts a hit out on, on Rita yeah, with, yeah. with the hitman because she can't take the fact that she's left her. So another theory is it's almost like uh, going back to the time being cyclical kind of thing. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. Like the beginning is the end. You know, you're seeing what is actually going to happen at the end of the film kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, going on from that, she kind of stumbles down Mulholland Drive, finds the house of who we later learn is the auntie of Betty. Yeah. And like she falls asleep and passes out in her house. In a bush. In a oh, bush. In yeah, the... so in a bush at first. Yeah, yeah. And then when, when uh, the auntie leaves the house, she then like gets into the house and just kind of like passes out in the house. Uh, we then meet Robert Forster for the first time. Yeah. He's the isn't policeman the, investigating. The only time. <laughs> the only time, yeah. <laughs> He's investigating the crash at the top of the uh, top of Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I can only imagine he was going to have a much bigger part if it if was it to be a TV series, show. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And clearly Lynch is a fan because apparently he wanted him to play Sheriff Truman originally on Twin Peaks. I, I, I read this. Um, actually no, sorry. I watched the, uh, um, I watched the, uh, like a um, interview with him before the new series, uh, and 
and he said he was supposed to be in the original series. But I took it as he was just going to be an extra, like another character. I didn't really... Oh, right, okay. I might, I might be getting confused there because the, the, the maybe the reason I'm thinking that is is the fact that he ends up playing Sheriff Truman. Yeah. You know, I kind of felt like he was he wanted him for that part. Ended up with Michael Ankeen, and then now we can actually get Forster to come back and play the part he wanted to originally in yeah, Twin yeah. Peaks. So he clearly loves the actor and is uh, put him in here in what would have been a big part, I imagine. Yeah. But uh, he's only there for, for a minute or two. But I enjoyed seeing him again. Is oh, yeah. I think he's a great actor. Yeah, I loved it, yeah. uh, going on from there. We go back to Rita, and uh, oh, he mentioned there she gets into the house. Meanwhile, Betty's flying in from like Canada. Uh, this is really weird as well. She she gets out at the airport, and she's had a couple of travelling companions, which are an old couple. Yeah, do you remember this at all? Yeah, I do because it, it, it weirded me out. The the woman was like smiling oh. so strangely behind her, like, with this big. It's so creepy. Smile. Oh god. There's a bit right after this where they get they, them two get into a black limo and they're being driven away from the airport and they both just got these manic grins on the face yeah. in the back of the car. It's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, it really creeped me out that. But there's a load of theories about what the, these two represent as well. These are the two the old couple who were stood behind uh, Naomi Watts at the Jitterbug contest at the very start of the film. All right, okay. They appear behind her, and people believe it's almost like they represent her hopes and dreams or something of her going to Hollywood to be a star. And at the start of the film, they're like fully behind her, you know, go and be a star, that kind of thing. But by the end of the film, they've become, we've got to get to it later, but they've become something totally different, in, 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 you know, as to what they yeah, started yeah. out being. Uh, but we then jump from that to one of the best scenes in the film, which is at the the Winkies Diner. Yeah. Just a totally random thing. When I first watched the scene, I, I just thought, oh, this must be something that they shot, they shot for the TV show that yeah, would have been yeah. a bigger deal. But he shot this for the film. It wasn't in the TV oh, really? show. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, he shot this totally just for the film. Lynch has said in interviews that he's not interested in things making sense. He's more interested in just ideas come to him. And he puts them in films for the viewers to make sense of it. Like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even know himself what it means half the time, but he just has an idea for a good scene, puts it in there, wanting the audience to almost like make some kind of logic out of it. That's really cool. Because his idea is that the film is totally what you make of it. Like, don't don't look at me to tell you what it means. You just take what you want from the film. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, I, 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 I love that, that, I idea, love that style that, yeah. of filmmaking. And just the way they build the scene up with there's a couple of guys in the diner talking. One guy's explaining to the other how he's been having a dream where... He'll see this hideous, hideous face. Like a black face, I think. He yeah. Said, like, like. He mentions it being the face of a man, but the actual, it's an actress who plays the part. So, which is you know a bit yeah. weird, but uh, and the actress who plays the part of the, of the hobo slash tramp, whatever she's meant to be, was in The Conjuring Two. She played uh, the the killer nun. Have you seen that at all? I've not seen that film. No. Oh right, well, she's getting a spin-off film in that. <laughs> I, I've heard, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, in that scene, like you say, it was dead weight. Like, cause I think it's a uh, like a shrink or something, isn't it? I, I can't work out what the relationship is. I, I think that as well. Like almost like it's That's a. What it feels like anyway, like a. Yeah, like, like they're working through something maybe. And obviously, he's like. He's like, oh, you won't believe me or something. The shrink says, yeah. you know, he says to the shrink, he's like, I won't try me kind of thing. And uh, yeah, like you say, he starts describing his dream, doesn't he? Mm. Um, where, where like, it's in, in that, that diner because I think he asked him like, why why are we meeting here? It's like, because I've had a dream about it and I've seen this, this figure with like a black face. Uh, yeah. 
I, I love the way he describes it. It almost builds the, t- the tension. Yeah. It says, like, I was sat here and you were standing over there. And, like, at that point, he's not afraid because, you know, he's here talking to his friend or, or shrink, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But then a minute later, when the guy goes to pay, he realises, shit, I'm in mean, the dream. He stood where, <laughs> where I dreamed he would be. Did he catch that? Ah. He's saying, when, when he's explaining it to him, he says, I, I was sat here and you were stood over there looking at me. And he says, and then I, I saw this face through the store and it terrified me. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, the other guy just doesn't seem to like buy yeah. into it at all. He gets up to pay. But then the guy realises, oh my God, he stood <laughs> where I dreamed he would be. Yeah. And my dream's becoming real kind of thing. And so they get up and leave and walk around behind the store. Did you notice, though, Lynch like drops all sound out at this point? You can barely even hear them talking. Yeah. Again, it's just to build the tension. And then we get this like mad jump scare where eventually this tramp hobo woman... It's not even really a jump scare because she just kind of glides out from behind yeah. the wall. <laughs> but, I mean, did, did, it, did it get you at all, I mean, that bit? I don't know, it creeped me out a bit, but I don't think I jumped. Oh, really? I, 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 I shit myself when I first saw that. I absolutely uh, yeah. jumped out of my seat. I and mean, it's years ago now when I watched it, but even now watching it again, I'm still kind of on edge, just waiting yeah, yeah. for the moment where it appears. Don't get me wrong, like, the entire scene, like, from the moment you sat there, like, in the diner to going out there, it really does keep you on edge the whole time. Yeah. Like, and it, it would creep me out a hell of a lot. Yeah. And the guy, like, almost has a heart attack or something. The guy just, like, holds his chest and just falls to the floor. Presumably dies or something, you know, I don't know. But yeah. And it just glides behind the wall again. And doesn't come back until, like, the last ten minutes of the film. <laughs> Which yeah. is weird. And that uh, hobo kind of ties into your, your theory. Yeah, a bit, definitely. Uh, I mean, just the look, the look of it. Is very similar to the the woodsman from Twin Peaks. That's it, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought this as soon as I seen it. Like, I can kind of understand where John's theory is coming from. Now. Yeah, that's the main the main thing really, just the look of it, and the fact that the woodsmen are like malevolent demons or spirits. It seems like this is the same kind of thing, you know. Yeah, she's clearly yeah. just killed that guy <laughs> somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it, it just feels like one of the woodsmen from Twin Peaks to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I love that scene. I think, I think that's amazing. Going on from there, this is where we meet uh, Michael J. Anderson, uh, the man from another place. Uh, he's in this weird, like, Black Lodge room. Yeah. And uh, he gets a phone... I think, he, does he make a phone call or get a phone call saying the girl is still missing? He gets that phone call. Which we assume is Rita. Yeah. They're trying to track down. Uh, this kind of ties into another, another weird theory here is that this whole dream section is a way of Betty rationalising like why she wouldn't get a film part. She builds this whole conspiracy up as to why like, the, like there's something like mafia backing that are forcing this actress to get the part. Yeah. Because she, and that's why she doesn't get it. Almost like a coping mechanism, rationalising why she didn't get a, fil- a film oh, part. Right. She has this dream where like it wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was that like there was a big conspiracy behind it. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I think it all. I think that makes sense. You know, it like makes uh, perfect sense. Yeah. So every time you see that this black lodge room and like uh, gangsters going around threatening the director to, to put someone in the film, it could be like a coping mechanism of Betty in, in this yeah. dream state kind of thing. It, it'd explain why like he's always in such a weird environment. As well. Yeah, just stuff like just that. Something like something that she's mustered up because like I can only imagine she wouldn't know what kind of. 
Um, it would look like in a mafia meeting room. Yeah, that's so in her head, it'd be behind a uh, like a, a mirrored glass. Um, in, 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 in a <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I never even thought of that. That would be the typical shady kind of meeting room that you'd think up. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you were thinking of like this evil mafia, that would be the kind of thing you would imagine. Exactly. That, that makes sense. Yeah, that that is good. I like that. Uh, we then go back to. <clears throat> Betty finally gets to the uh, apartment and Rita's in the shower and this is where they first meet. Yeah. Uh, Betty doesn't know at first that Rita shouldn't be there. You know, it's a bit of a weird uh, weird scenario. And we then jump to that, from that to another one of my favourite scenes is where Adam is at a meeting of the film producers. Do you remember this at all? He walks in with a golf club. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Yeah, uh, the whole scene, I was, I, I was like, why is he got a golf club? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love this. The, and there's a couple of, like, kind of sycophant people who are telling him, you know, you do what these people say when they come in. If they want this girl, you ha- you, you cast this girl. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, it's my film. You know, I don't care what you say. And then Dan Hedaya and Angelo Badalamenti come in. And... Angelo Badalamenti is actually the composer for all of Lynch's stuff. Right. Again, Lynch just thought, I like the look of you. I want to put you in this film. I don't care if you can't act. All you've got to do is spit coffee out. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they sit down and pretty much threaten him that you've got to cast this one girl. As, uh, this She's called Camilla in the dream. You've got to cast Camilla in this part. Oh. And in the wake, in real life, in the waking state, Camilla is Rita. Yeah, yeah. So again, it goes back to the theory of she's concocting this conspiracy as to why Camilla's getting a part that she can't get when in reality she's just not good enough and Camilla got the part you know that kind of thing but I just love the scene where these two like uh, yes men get a uh, is it an espresso for Angelo Badalamenti like the most rarest um, espresso in the world or something yeah you you will not be disappointed with this this is going to be the best espresso you've ever had and he takes one sip of it and he doesn't even spit it out. He just kind of opens his mouth. Let's leak out. Yeah, deposits the coffee into like a white <laughs> handkerchief. I love that. And he's, he's rolling his tongue around trying to get all the coffee out. And he's just splattering everywhere. And these two yes men are just shaking, going, oh, we had we had reassurances that was the best coffee we've, you'll ever find. And Bad Lamenti just got a look at his face and just gets up and walks out. Yeah. I love that. And we go from there to Adam leaves the meeting, having been told he has to cast Camilla. Leaves the meeting with a golf club. And goes and smashes the limo up. <laughs> See, that's why I, f- I feel like the whole purpose of him having the golf club, like he he, he took it for that that purpose. I yeah, he took... I was thinking that because he wasn't the meeting with it on the table. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. that's what I mean. Like surely, like like he must have been thinking beforehand. Like, all right, if if anything, I'm gonna smash up their car, so I need this golf club. <laughs> yeah, if this goes south, I've got yeah. Plan B. Here. <laughs> and just one one little quote, like in this meeting, they hand him a photo. And I just love, I love the way Justin Threw says, what's the photo for? <laughs> <laughs> it's just really weird and out of place, but like, I just love the way he says, what's yeah. the photo for? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I love that whole scene. That's one of my highlights of the film, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we then go from there uh, to, I love this scene as well. This film is almost a collection of scenes, almost, you know, like they don't yeah. even like tie together, really. Uh, I, I just love it. Uh, we then cut to, uh, we meet a hitman who's talking to a guy in like a weird like uh, apartment building and this hitman is talking to a guy about like names in a phone book he's got like a black phone book on his desk or something mm-hmm. he's a bit of a dude this guy's like yeah dude I've got this black phone book here with, na- with so many names in it yeah 
and out of nowhere, the hitman just shoots him dead. Uh, this reminds me of like the new Twin Peaks series, you yeah, know, the yeah. bit where they find the body in the apartment, where yeah, yeah. the headless body. This location reminds me of like Buckhorn in that and stuff. Uh, yeah. And this is another example of how Lynch can like take what should be a horrific scene. Like three people get murdered in the scene, oh, but he makes it funny. <laughs> he undercuts the whole thing with humour. Uh, and I think that's why Lynch can get away with a lot of stuff like this. Other films that try for this, I mean, it is kind of a bit pretentious what, what he goes for, but other filmmakers who go for this kind of thing, it comes off pretentious and desperate yeah. kind of thing. Because Lynch makes it funny, he gets away with it. I, yeah. think, I think that's the, the key to it. You know, like if you can make your audience laugh, you can almost like get away with stuff that doesn't doesn't make sense and there's no like, logic it, behind it. It was a really funny scene, this though, because obviously like he shoots him and uh, uh, I, I can't remember if like well, uh, how, how the bullet goes through the wall. But... Yeah, he's trying to set it up to make it look like the guy killed himself and the trigger goes off accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he goes into the next room and like a receptionist, I assume, she, she's like, oh, I've been bit by something. <laughs> I, I love that. She's like, oh, something bit me. <laughs> bit me bad. <laughs> I love that. So then he knows he's got to kill her as well. <laughs> so like, I think, does he ask her to come in? Oh, he does, oh, does he just do it there? I think he, he, he tries to kill her by like, he drags her out into the hallway. A cleaner spots him. He's like, yo, dude, I need some help in here. Get in here, phone. She's, she's in pain, phone for an ambulance. Drags her in, kills her. This dopey cleaner follows up. He kills him as well. And then it's like Hoover catches fire or something. I feel like he shot the Hoover. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, actually shot the Hoover. So after killing three people, he's trying to do it quietly. He ends up killing three people and sets the fire alarm off. He's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Goes out the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, I know I'm jumping back and forth here, but this almost ties into the whole thing of it being a coping mechanism. This is the hitman that Diane later hires to kill, uh, who we, we later know as Camilla. Yeah. And again, in her dream, is it like is it a way of her thinking... Oh, this hitman is a joke. He's gonna make. He's gonna balls it up. You know, like trying to rationalise almost that it might go wrong or something. Yeah, yeah. So, like in her dream, is she's portrayed him to be this bumbling figure, and he might not be able to kill Camilla at the end. He might make a mess of it, and so you know, it might be okay, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I quite like that. Uh, we go from there to uh, Rita and Betty check her check Rita's bag to try and like work out where she's from, and she has a load of money and a blue key. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the blue key is in the, the reality section later as well, so it's kind of like she's pulled it in from into the into a dream and given it more meaning the, than it actually has. So at this point, because you keep referring to it as the dream and reality, are, are yeah. we just assuming this is? Shall we? Should we just go through it? Let's we might, just go through we it. might as well. It can be our theory. We'll we'll, we'll stand by this. I, I mean, <laughs> you, you've introduced it to me today, and I, yeah. I, I'm I've, I've I'm already bought into it, so I'm happy no, with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that because I don't know like, you know whether you'd agree with it kind of thing, but. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just go for it. Dream and reality. Okay. Uh, and she has this blue key in the bag. We then, again, we jump from there back to Adam. He's, he's driving along. And he's found out that his uh, movie set has been closed down yeah, by, yeah. by these mafia types because he won't cast the, the actress they want. He goes home and finds his wife in bed with the pool man. <laughs> <laughs> who is, do you know who that is? No, no. Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> uh 
Miley Cyrus's dad. Is it really? <laughs> do you know oh, the God. old country star who sang yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't Break My so, Heart? Yeah, I <laughs> do know, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Why is in it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, Lynch's weird casting. He just this, likes Billy Ray Cyrus, I think. This scene, though, like, it just <laughs> made me laugh so much because he goes in, finds his, um, finds his wife sleeping with Billy Ray Cyrus, and she turns it around and I'm like, what the hell are you doing home? Yeah. You should have known if you'd have come back at this time. <laughs> but I love his reaction to this. He doesn't say a word, doesn't even have a look on his face. He immediately just turns to her jewellery drawer and grabs the whole, grabs a, a big box a of jewellery, yeah. just walks off with it. She's like, hey, what are you doing with my jewellery? <laughs> and she goes and gets a big, a big uh, tin of pink paint yeah. and just ruins the whole lot. <laughs> I just love the way he's got no emotion at all. He just, he just picks up the, the jewellery straight into the garage and gets the paint out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so great. great. And then when Billy Ray Cyrus gives him a punch and kicks him out of the house, he's just covered in pink paint. <laughs> That's a great image. Uh, we then go from there to back to, Rita, back to Rita and Betty. And they're, they're doing a bit of investigating, trying to find out what happened with the accident. They make an, uh, an anonymous phone call, that kind of thing. And they go to the Winkies, they go to the Winkies Diner in this dream world right. to try and work out what to do. And they agree to go to go and uh, check out the apartment of this Diane Selwyn, who I believe they got the information from, from the police. Do you remember that at all? They say, well, go and check out the apartment and, and go from there. You know, that you might be Diane Selwyn, you know, like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go to your house and find out what's going on. A uh, little thing there, while they're in the diner, the waitress who serves them is called... Uh, it's called Diane, is it? Ah, yeah. that's, that's why she... It's, it, I feel... Was it on the wall? It was on her name badge, I think. Her, I remember seeing it, yeah, yeah. And that's when it comes back to her, like Diane Selwyn, you know. Uh, but I find it funny that the, the waitress looks just like Naomi Watts will look later on. She's got the same hairstyle yeah, and everything. Yeah. As I, if she's projecting herself as the waitress kind of thing. I feel like later on, in the reality, they go back again, don't they? Yeah. And she's got the she's got Betty as a name. Exactly, yeah. This is the thing. In, in what we've taken to be the waking bit... They go back to the... She's with the hitman in the diner. Yeah. And the diner's uh, called Betty. And she looks, again, just like she did in the dream, the Betty yeah, in the dream yeah. kind of thing. So, nice little, like, uh, symmetry there, yeah, almost. Yeah. Yes, we're going from that. They've, they've agreed to go and try and find out who Diane Selwyn is. We cut back to uh, Billy Ray Cyrus and Adam's wife. Uh, a, ma- a massive guy turns up, a mafia type, turns up at the house looking for Adam. Uh, the wife just jumps on his back, <laughs> so, trying to hit him and stuff, and he just gives her one big punch, <laughs> knocks her straight out. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus jump, uh, tries to punch him, and he just kind of knocks him down in one. Yeah, just, uh, just deals with him. Yeah. Uh, but we're just meant to believe that these types are looking for Adam because they want him to cast uh, Camilla. Yeah, yeah. They catch up with Adam in like a, a weird hotel room, and he's told that he has to go meet the cowboy at this, uh, at this corral. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just jumping all over the place here at the moment. Uh, after Rita and Betty agree to try and find out what happened to Diane Selwyn, yeah. we get another Twin Peaks moment where the log lady turns up at the door, or what could be the log lady, basically, like some weird psychic from next door. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do, yeah. Call Louise, turns up, and she's like, uh, she's in trouble, she's in trouble, you know, like with a message for them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just very Twin Peaks-ish, yeah. basically the log lady. <laughs> Again, another little, uh, another little crossover. Uh, 
and we then finally, after Adam's gone to meet the cowboy, uh, again, another really weird scene. Do you remember this bit at all? He meets the cowboy at, the, at this ranch, and they have this amazing conversation about, like, uh, the cowboy saying, like, don't be a smart aleck kind of thing, you know. And he eventually convinces him to agree to cast Camilla in the part of yeah, the yeah. film, which he's not happy with. And so uh, Adam's then finally back on set then, making his film, yeah, casting yeah. Camilla. Uh, and then we cut back to Betty and Rita go to the apartment. They have a weird like conversation with uh, one of the neighbours who tells them that the na- she swapped apartments with Diane Selwyn like yeah, a week yeah. ago or something. It's really weird. Uh, that will come back later. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like they actually went round, didn't they? And then asked where did that, like, because they were like, where's... Uh... Diane in kind of thing. Yeah. And she, oh no, she lives at like number seven now or something. Yeah, we swapped a week ago or something. And uh, they finally get into the apartment and find a dead body in the bed. Again, this is the whole thing of, if this is a dream, this is actually what happens to Diane in real life at the end. She shoots herself in the bed. Yeah, yeah. And so again, it's like projecting, you know, your thought into the dream kind of thing almost. Yeah, yeah. I know it sounds a bit uh, a bit mad that, but you know, no, no, you're yeah. going with that or... Yeah, I'm yeah. buying it, yeah. Because it does kind of look a bit like Naomi Watts. Obviously, the body's been there for a while, so it's a bit uh, not in the best condition. And they, they flee flee the uh, the apartment, and now it's getting good. Now we get the uh, relationship between uh, Naomi Watts and Laurie Haring. Love all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get some uh, this, uh, lesbian action going on. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and going on from that, they're now into a, in a relationship. And they, while they're sleeping, uh, Laura Haring repeats Silencio in a dream. She does, yeah. Yeah. And from that, they then go to club. I think it's pronounced Silencio. Yeah, because, uh, like, obviously she wakes up Naomi Watts, uh, or Betty, um, and, uh, and she's like, oh, wake up, wake up. She's like, oh, we need to go. Yeah. Like, out. <laughs> and she's like, no, oh, it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we need to go out. <laughs> Again, just another really weird weird thing. Into yeah. They go to Club Silencio, I believe it's pronounced. I, I believe this is the location from the last episode of Twin Peaks, the, the weird theatre. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a weird bit here where the, the host of this show, whatever it is that's going on, keeps repeating how it's all a recording it's all a tape did you catch that uh, i think i think i remember that yeah. yeah before the music comes on and again i think it's i feel like it's almost playing into the whole thing of with it being a commentary on hollywood again just the method of acting and like how we're watching a film right now that's been recorded kind of thing yeah, yeah. and yet you still buy into it and you buy into the characters but it, do you know what I mean? It's like that, yeah, that level yeah. of when it when it when real life becomes like a recording almost. Yeah, I, I might be getting a bit too pretentious with that no, kind of I can thing, see what but you're saying, yeah. I, I think I feel like Lynch is trying to make a few points with that kind of thing with this film. How to make it in Hollywood and to be an actor, you have to almost kill certain characters and get into you know become another one that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, kill off parts of yourself to become something else. Yeah, that makes sense. And going from there, we have a performance by a. Uh, Oh, she's a famous musician. I, I didn't didn't know her name down. Uh, but she sings. It's called uh, called Gerando, but it's a I believe Spanish cover version of uh, "Crying" by Roy Orbison. All right. And she starts singing that, and uh, 
Rita and Betty start start tearing up. Yeah, yeah. It's like an emotional performance. Uh, and I, I just love the scene. I think it's amazing. Uh, it's just really like a work of art kind of thing. That's all. That, that's all I take from it. Oh, it was. It was. You know, like a, shot, yeah. It's like Lynch is like a, a painter, an artist as well. I just feel like it's just another work. You know, like he's just trying to create a work of art. Yeah, yeah. And they react to that. And during the performance, uh, I think Rita finds the a blue box in her bag. Yeah, yeah. Which going back to the blue key from earlier okay. will unlock. Uh, but I just love that whole scene. That's the, one of the highlights of the film for yeah, me. Good scene, yeah. Yeah, and we then go from there to uh, they go back to the apartment. They go. They go into the bedroom, and Betty just disappears completely. Yeah, yeah. just walks off shot, and you never see her again. Yeah. Rita gets the bag down and uses the blue key to open the blue box, and is almost pulled into the blue box. I've not. I'll be honest with you. I've got no idea what what's going on there. <laughs> honestly, I, 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 honestly, I think I blinked at this bit because. Oh really? <laughs> honestly, it, like I, I, I remember her going off off yeah. off shot. Um, let me watch. Next thing I remember, I don't. I don't, I don't know if I, I, slept, I fell asleep or something, but but like for a, a second, because the next thing I remember is like she's like just this other character. Well, she's Diane. Yeah, this this is the if the theory is correct, this is the part where she wakes up basically. Yeah, yeah. getting pulled into the box will wake them up. Again, very Twin Peaksy, you know, like the whole getting pulled into the Black Lodge, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. We then see a shot of Diana's dead body in a bed. Yeah, and the cowboy opens the door and says, uh, "Come on, beautiful, time to wake up." Time or whatever. To wake yeah. Up, yeah, and it then cuts to just Naomi Watts in bed, presumably being Diane Selwyn who was the dead body in, in the dream kind of thing. Uh, and then the neighbour knocks at the door, who we met in the dream, wanting all of the stuff back. Because in in this reality, they, hatch, they, they have swapped apartments. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she wants, she's still not got all the stuff yet from the from old, old apartment. Yeah, yeah. One thing to note here, though, she picks up like an ashtray off the table, and the blue key is by the, t- by the ashtray on the table. And Naomi Watts spots it, and it just clearly like affects her. The reason being, I'm jumping ahead again here, we find out later from the hitman, he tells her when the job's done, you'll find a blue key. So she knows at that point that uh, who will become Camilla, Camilla's dead. Ah, okay. Yeah, because she's, she's had her killed, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, we're jumping, jumping about a bit here with time, because... I feel like it's almost like flashbacks now with Diane, like being being with a. Uh, yeah, just just yeah, before yeah. we go past that scene, um, that ashtray. I feel like I seen it later on in another scene, mm. but it was so, someone completely unrelated to that woman. That exact same ashtray was in another shot. Oh, maybe. I feel I feel like it was in. Where was it? Wasn't the party? Was it uh, at Adam's house or something? I think it might have been. Yeah, could have been. Yeah, but like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought that might have been worth, worth noting, but I don't know. Yeah, it could mean something. I'll just jump ahead here as well. The reason being, the blue box seems to be a total dream thing, but when uh, Diane kills herself at the end of the film, it's in the, the bedside cabinet, you can barely even see it, but when she opens it to get the gun out, the blue box is there. Mm. Again, what that means, I, I just don't know. <laughs> just an interesting little tidbit yeah. kind of thing, but yeah, I like that. Uh we kind of uh, we get a pretty amazing masturbation scene here from <laughs> Naomi Watts. Uh, she's crying because presumably she 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 knows that 
Uh, I think he's dead. Camilla. Camilla is now dead. Uh, and I, I think these are like flashbacks almost. We learn that like Diane Diane and Camilla, I keep getting the names mixed up, have split up and that Camilla's with Adam, yeah, yeah. the film director. And uh, she attends a party at Mulholland Drive and uh, Camilla meets her on the road in the limo. And it's very reminiscent of the, the dream scene at the start yeah, of the film. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, you think at first that she's going to get like killed or something, but Camilla comes down out of the bushes and... And takes her up to the party. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're nearly at the end of the film, to be honest. But uh, this is the point where she mentions that she won the Jittable contest, and that's why she came to Hollywood. And again, that ties in with, you know, the very first shot of the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I like the bit where, during this party scene, Adam mentions that he got divorced from his other wife, who was in her dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it says, uh, I got the pool and she got the pool boy. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, was quite I was quite good. This, yeah. <laughs> like, just going back to the, how they actually broke up in these flashbacks, what it was, like, she walked in, didn't she? It, like, to watch her acting. And yeah. and Justin, or Adam, uh, yeah. like, as a, like, he's kind of showing her how to do the kissing, like, the kissing scene. Yeah, I love that scene, the, just the way he plays it kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's dead smooth. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I want you to do this, just be more relaxed behind the wheel and just slide over to her, like, yeah, I love the way he, he and sh- she's just devastated because she knows, that, you know. Yeah, that, and then that's pretty much it, isn't it? Though, yeah. So. Uh, and so going from there, we then cut to the diner again, Winky's Diner. And this is where uh, Diane is paying the hitman to kill Camilla, again, this must be a flashback because if we're to believe the blue key meant she was dead, it's already happened kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But I mean, like a flashback of when she paid the hitman to kill her, yeah. and the, as you mentioned before, the waitress is called Betty, and she looks like Naomi what Naomi Watts does in the dream, you know. But like obviously, um, Diane, she she looks like really run down, and she like really like yeah, almost like a like one of the one of the uh, horrors that we've seen earlier. Um, outside Winky's Diner. Yeah. Yeah, the one who was with the hitman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And again, with it being like a commentary, going back to a commentary on Hollywood, I think that's part of it as well. That she turned up to Hollywood thinking she was going to be a great actress. And in reality, she might end up just being like, you know, <laughs> a whore or something yeah. like that. Like, that could be the reality that I imagine a lot of people who go there with great aspirations might end up, you know, going down that path kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit dark, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a weird shot of, like, the, the tramp from earlier in the film. Uh, just, like, playing with the blue, bo- blue box. Again, I, I presume behind the diner. And I think she puts it in, like, a paper bag, puts it on the floor, and the old couple just dance out of the bag. <laughs> remember, remember that? <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the old couple dance out of the bag. We then cut to Diane being tormented in her apartment by the old couple just like laughing and screaming at her. Yeah, do you? And I again, I think it's, uh, this is just, just my theory really, but I think it might be a case of like how her hopes and dreams are coming back to just to torment her now, that she came here with this, these grand ideas and it's gone completely wrong kind of thing. And they drive her to kill herself. Yeah. She uh, gets the gun out of the bedside cabinet, shoots herself, and it ends in Club Silencio. Just with a, a with the performance in Silencio and cuts yeah, to black. Yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much the whole film. Uh, like, it's, I'll be honest, we've done that quicker than I thought we would. <laughs> no, 
not even an hour in yet. <laughs> right. um, yeah, like the film though, it was a very, it was a very weird film. Like, like yeah, I didn't know where wherever I was coming or going out of the time. Honestly, like it was so. Yeah. Like there's a scene. Like I don't. I think you've actually missed it off of your list there. Um, like I thought it was a really good scene to be honest. Um, it was when Betty went for this audition. Oh God! How did I? Um, sorry. How did I miss that out? Yeah. Like oh, if, apologies. I don't know where. Yeah, Betty went for this audition with. Uh, um, well, it was. I, I assume it was for this film. Yeah, I think. In her dream, this yeah, in been. the dream, yeah, because um, she she'd been uh, practicing with. Uh, what's her name? Sorry, Lana, the other girl. Uh, Rita. At that Rita. point, yeah. Um, like she's been practicing with her, and then like she goes to this place where like this. This elder, older actor's like, yeah, it's like, like holding a close, like, yeah, we need to be really close with this. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, again, with it being like a commentary on Hollywood, it's just a weird thing of like you're watching actors acting, yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're watching actors playing actors, acting a scene <laughs> within a film within a film almost, you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. a, a weird thing, but it, it is amazing that scene. I, I love that. Uh, I just love that guy as well, you know. <laughs> The older guy, he's yeah. got like he's really tanned and stuff, and uh, the bit when he pulls her in close, and it's like, tell me what it hurts, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just the way he plays it, I, I love all that. And Naomi Watts is amazing in that scene oh, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. I, I can't believe I missed that off. To be honest, sorry about that. No, no. <laughs> I thought I'd wrote that down. But... <laughs> no, that was that was that was a good scene. But like, yeah, like I, I didn't know where I was coming or going half the time because like 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 you say like that like she's dead amazing in that, and then like. She just goes from that to since if if we're assuming that's in her dream, that that she's like because she was good, yeah, and oh, like yeah. and like the uh, exactly I think that her portrayal of herself is that she's an amazing actress kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The yeah, so, like, the reality might be a bit different kind of thing. Because like in that scene, the uh, manager I assume I, can't, I don't know who it was, but like everyone in the room was just like that was amazing. Yeah, they're all blown away, and aren't they? Everyone yeah. blown away by it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I loved that. Uh, so just to recap, just some of my highlights are that scene you just mentioned, uh, the Angelo Badalamenti spitting the coffee out. Yeah, that I love that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, the the tramp hobo scene. And uh, I feel like there's one more that I've missed out, but... I mean, I, I, I can only assume you you, in, you quite enjoyed the uh, the lesbian scene. Oh, so yeah. Uh, did I mention the masturbation scene? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was up, that was up there, yeah. <laughs> Yes, well, I, I just love the whole the film as a whole. Uh, I do feel it benefits on from rewatches. The more you rewatch it, the I, more it all just well not clicks into place because nobody really knows what it's about. But you can take more from it the more you watch it. I mean, it. I, I I intend on watching it again, like especially after like I've been like you've spoke about these uh, like theories of it being like like now now I know that that that'll put the whole film in a different perspective for yeah. me now. I've enjoyed it more each time I've watched it over the years, to be honest. Uh, I love it. I mean, it's a five-star film for me. What, how, how would you rate it? <laughs> um, like, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't understand it. I didn't know whether I was coming or going half the time. Yeah. So I can't, in good conscience, give it a five because of that. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll be totally truthful with you. The first time I watched it, I wasn't a massive fan of it because... Oh, yeah. It was like I was in my early twenties, and I was like, I, I just don't get any of this, you know. I, th- I think, I think, like, I am going to rate it highly. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. 
Like, but um, like the reason being though is because like, like since I started watching Twin Peaks, I've become a massive fan of David of Lynch. Yeah, like, I've I've been I've been loving it. So it might just be a bit biased because of that, to be honest. But I, I enjoyed the film as well. Though, like, like you said, there's some amazing scenes in it, and it yeah. gets you thinking. Um, Definitely, yeah. Even if you take it that way as a collection of scenes, it still works really well. I think. Though. Yeah, and like yeah. and like. like now I know as well. Like say, if I watched it again, I'll I'll now know that theory is about it being a dream. Uh, well, whether it's true or not, I've 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 bought into that now. I think that's true, but um, like I now know that, and it kind of changed it a bit knowing that it was supposed to be a a pilot episode as well. That yeah, definitely it a bit for me because there's definitely things you pull out of it thinking, yeah, that was purely for yeah, yeah. if it would have been a TV show, you know, that kind of thing. So. Uh, Yes, well, I've enjoyed this discussion. Do you think it went well? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it, yeah. It's a bit of a trial run for, for us, this, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, we do plan in the future and doing like more movie stuff like this. So we'd love to hear hear from, from any listeners, any feedback. You can contact me uh, at Taylor1980. Uh, I can be found at uh, DST Nick on Twitter, that is. And we are part of a main podcast as well called Don't Spoil the Ending. We uh, cover films every week over there as well. The one that we were just covered that'll be up this week will be I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah, that, that should, that'll be up uh, yesterday as of the release of this episode. Yeah. So if uh, if you like what you've heard, please by all means hit you know hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Any feedback would be welcome. You know, if there's anything you don't like about the show, anything you do like, let us know and we'll uh, we'll get back to you. Yeah, like uh, we do have a main Twitter account for our podcast, like. Um, you can you can contact us there by all means. Uh, it's DST Podcast uh, on Twitter, but like I think, it, like uh, in, in order to get a response from us, me and John, um, like you're probably more like um better off, yeah, messaging us on our own Twitters. Yeah, I, I forgot to give up the main main podcast. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Forget every week. <laughs> um, like I, I think I think though our our personal ones are probably better. For this show, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, because they're more likely to get a response from us, yeah, definitely, uh, and 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 we're more likely to read it out. I feel, uh, and also if you if you're on iTunes, jump on there, give us a five star review. That 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 wouldn't hurt either. You know, uh, <laughs> we'd definitely uh, welcome that. <laughs> but but like, if you're gonna rate it any lower, then yeah, yeah, contact yeah. us first. <laughs> we'll arrange something. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a couple of final points to finish on. All it is. Uh, as we mentioned, ABC passed on this. It could have been a TV show. Lynch went on to be nominated for Best Director for this at the Oscars. And the BBC awarded it the best film of the 2000s. So like two pretty high honours there, you know. That's so amazing, uh, Just to think what it could have been if it had been a TV show. I think I'd, I'd prefer what it has become kind of thing. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. So have you got anything more, to, more Nick, on, uh, on Mulholland Drive? Oh, no. Um, I think you pretty much covered it all there. Uh... Totally covered. Okay. So uh, that's all from us for this week then. Uh, listen to the main show and we'll, we'll be back next week with oh, Twin, Peaks, Twin Peaks Part 9, I believe. And, yeah. And unless I'm mistaken, the week after we will have Game of Thrones. <sighs> yeah, I've got Game of Thrones is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming <laughs> as well. So, so um, yeah, so like, we've got a lot to look forward to if, if you're into these shows. Then. Definitely, yeah. Love to hear from you and uh, yeah, keep listening. We've got a few shows coming for you in the next few weeks. 
Great stuff. Okay, cheers, Nick. Thanks for being here this week. Cheers, John. Cheers. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.